for tuning in to Art to Heart, where I delve into the creative minds of the artists in the Fort Wayne area. Each episode sheds light on the thoughts, feelings, and backgrounds of the artisans who bring pizzazz to Fort Wayne. Tune in for tips on tapping into your creative soul and for information about upcoming events in the arts community. This past spring, I was able to be a part of hosting the 4th Indiana Dance Festival through the Fort Wayne Dance Collective. Part of this festival was hosting interesting panel discussions, and one of them was cleverly called Creative Collaboration Chatter. This was a unique discussion where a few of Fort Wayne's key artists went behind the scenes of their collaborative projects. Through this discussion, we gained insight on how to work with artists in other fields and how to make the impossible a reality. The featured speakers included Karen Gibbons-Brown of Fort Wayne Ballet, George Calamaris of Purdue Fort Wayne University, Elizabeth Mikatadze with Mikatadze Dance Theater and also with Purdue Fort Wayne University, Miriam Morgan with Arts United, and Alex Overby, local filmmaker. The audio is a little echoey, but the discussion is fantastic. So I can't wait for you to tune in and be a part of the discussion. Today's discussion will start off with a few questions I have for the artists on our panel. I will open the floor for additional questions for the panelists. And let's start off by introducing everyone. And my name is Mandy Kolkman. I'm the Artistic Director of Fort Wayne Dance Collective. I have a podcast called Art to Heart where I interview artists in our arts community. And that's a little bit on me. And we'll start over here. I'm Karen Gibbons-Brown, the Director of Fort Wayne Ballet. I'm Miriam Morgan. I am the COO for Arts United and the Downtown Arts Campus, but by night, I'm a lighting designer. Um, I'm Alex Overby. I'm a, just a local filmmaker, maker of the video you just saw. Uh, I work at Sweetwater as a video team person there, so. I'm Elizabeth Mc... Is it on? I'm Elizabeth Mikaltadze, the artistic director of Mikaltadze Dance Theater, and I'm also the um, an adjunct professor of dance at Purdue University Fort Wayne. And I'm George Calamaris. I'm a professor of English at now PFW, used to be IPFW, and I served as the uh, poet laureate of Indiana from 2014 through 2016. Thank you, guys. So let's start off the conversation of what is an artistic collaboration? We just saw an example. Um, so we'll start off talking with Alex and I a little bit on how we created a what we call screen dance. Um, so if Alex, you'd like to talk a little bit more about how that process went. Um, Mandy had reached out to me, uh, I want to say about two months ago, um, asking if I would be interested in speaking on this panel. Uh, not having any recent experience, I guess, working with any form of dance, I, I felt it best to, I guess, pitch someone or, or you, I guess, in this case, on doing something that would kind of really help refresh that, that knowledge of like what it's like to work with specifically film and dance together. Um, so we kind of just decided on uh, an overall stylized sort of look that I wanted for a dance video, and then we found a song by an artist called Life is Better Blonde, uh, they're based out of Perth, Australia. They're pretty cool. I like them. Not the point. Uh, and um, we just kind of agreed on doing some, 
I think you had two parts of the song that you'd choreographed and the rest we kind of just made it up as we went. And um, I like the end result. I hope you guys did too. I thought it was cool. Thank you. So, yeah. So the panelists up here are not random. Um, they are movers and shakers in our community. They make a lot of the arts things happen here in Fort Wayne. They are also, um, oddly enough, coupled next to each other, and that will help our discussion a little bit. So I'm going to put the uh, mic to um, our first pair to talk about some of their collaborations, and so I'll pass the mic to Karen. Wrong seat. I'm in the hot seat today. Uh, I think anytime you have artists in a room, there is collaboration. I don't think there is a way that you can get away from that or around that. But I think collaboration is often an overused word in this day and time. For us, as a ballet company, it is expected that we collaborate with scenic designers, lighting designers, textile artists, dancers, of course, musicians. But for us, it's a couple of different things. We look at those traditional, and I don't mean to sound ungrateful for them. We are very grateful to have those collaborations. But we're always trying to, even though we're a ballet company, we try and stretch the box a bit. So as we look for collaborations, we're trying to get people to understand that it's not tutus, tiaras, point shoes, and handsome princes all the time. And what I call it is pretty, pretty ballet. It's not always pretty, pretty princess. There are some other parts to dance. It is very important for our community to get to, to know and to see. So we work with Miriam quite often as our lighting designer. And she's often a resource in other ways for us as well with collaboration. I'm terrible. I go and say, I want it to look like this. And so then Miriam goes. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> um, so I've been, um, I've been a part of the uh, live performing arts for um, almost 23 years. That's my background is in technical theater um, and lighting design primarily. Um, and, um, and like Karen said, and I fully believe that all types of performance art really are collaboration. There's really just no way to get away from it. Um, and, and as a lighting designer, sometimes I tend to be really last on the list of people's thoughts when they're putting together a live performance. Um, they're like, oh, we need dancers, and we definitely need costumes, and we need some set, and oh yeah, I guess we have to have some lights on. Um, <laughs> and and so, um, so I take a really proactive role as a lighting designer, um, and maybe sometimes I'm a little forward in inserting myself, but, um, <laughs> but I will often say, well, we can put light on you, but wouldn't it be better if we did it from this angle or in this particular color? Or what is it you're trying to convey? So as a, um, as a technical person, I feel that it's my job to pull more information out of the director or the choreographer in order to get the right, um, the right mood, the right atmosphere. Um, and, um, and so that's my piece of the collaborative process to make sure that um, not only am I listening, but I'm asking questions to help further the conversation along. Because at the end of the day, we're, te we're telling a story. We're taking the audience on a journey. And the dancers do that. The actors do that. Some, you know, in some ways, the costumes and the set help to do that. But so does the lighting. Um, and so it's my job, I feel, to make sure to insert myself and really be a part of that process. Not to, to give Miriam some credit, I'm not sure we in our community appreciate her. We have in our past worked with the Jose Limon 
Foundation, which is a big contemporary company, of course, and they are so impressed with her work, as is the Arpino Foundation, which is connected to the Joffrey Ballet. They've asked her to actually start uh, logging some of those lighting plots so that they can continue to reuse those plots. So that's a pretty big thing for us. So we're really lucky. Sorry, Miriam, had to say it. <laughs> I, I don't have anything else. Yeah. I did not know that. That is fantastic. Congratulations. Um, we'll move to a collaboration with Elizabeth and George. And I think they have both past and present to touch on. Um, first, I'll say ditto to what Karen and Miriam said, that especially um, as a choreographer with dance, there's, it's always a collaboration, so I feel like it's constant collaboration, which is great. Um, I would say that um, you know, there, there are varying, varying degrees of collaboration. I think sometimes that collaboration is very light in the fact that, you know, that you're, you're collaborating to begin with just the moment you walk into the studio. Um, and then there's instances where you work with a composer who maybe already has a complete piece of work um, and you are inspired by the music or maybe it starts from the ground up where the composer and the choreographer are uh, working on a theme and combining those art forms in real time. And um, I had a really cool collaboration actually last year with local artist Emily Powell, uh, who's a painter. and. We kind of went about this in a different way. She came into the studio and took pictures of the dancers while they were rehearsing the first section out of five sections of a dance that we started. And she showed me her favorite color palette um, that she likes to use. And there's a lot of pastel greens and blues and pinks. And I decided that I was gonna really make that, you know, the direction that I took. So every the the remaining four sections, I was thinking about those colors. And then the lighting designer, Corey Lee, um, came in with that color palette as well. And also our costume designer, Jeannie Pendleton, um, took that color palette. So we had this color palette floating around amongst all of these artists and it became the main theme um, to the piece. And it ended up being um, a very surreal experience where you felt like you were on this different planet the piece was called Reverie of Angels, so it was imagine where angels live. That's sort of what the end result was, and it was all just based around this color palette, so it was kind of cool. Um, and tonight, actually, we have a, um, a, a redo of a collaboration with local, she's not local anymore, she used to be local, Hope Arthur as uh, a composer and a performer. And she's gonna, gonna be um, helping us to send the imagery of the ocean and the sea uh, she has vocals and an accordion score uh, written for this piece. Um, and also our, the biggest collaboration, I'd say the most in-depth collaboration that I'm working on right now is with, with George here. And I'm gonna let George talk about that first. Well, I, I just wanted to say that I, I wanna second what everyone's been saying about the collaborative nature of art. And one of the things that I've had to dispel in the public imagination about poetry and poets is this, this writer who sits alone mirroring <laughs> Henry David Thoreau in a cabin and throwing another log on the fire and writing. Um, I've been at IPFW now, this is my 29th year, and 
when I walk in to teach a poetry class, most people think that's what poetry is. It's either cathartic or self-expression. And one of the things that I try to impart uh, upon people is that poetry is by its very nature collaborative because language is collaborative. As some of you may know, there's a famous poet by the name of T.S. Eliot, and you don't need to know his work to appreciate this story, but there's, there's a wonderful poet, William Stafford, who whenever he was asked a question about his influences, he said uh, one time in particular, the voice I hear in my poems is the voice of my mother and not the voice of T.S. Eliot. And that is an incredible statement. I had a chance to meet him in 1980 and interview him. And he said, well, how could you ever erase those early voices? That's part of the, the common pool of language. So that's all prefatory to say that I think that, you know, the images we get like in, you know, Dead Poets Society of, you know, poets gathering with capes and candles in caves at night and only wearing black, you know, please let, let's, you know, back off of the stereotypes. Language by its very essence is collaborative. I, I know I have, for example, my mother's voice in me. I know I have her ways of knowing, her ways of being. So my collaboration with Elizabeth, I even hate to say the word my, is, is really become something that extends the boundaries of, of how I see language operating anyway. And in that, the poems that I've been bringing, I should probably back up and tell you a little bit about the process, but first I wanna say that as collaborators, you also need to let go of your individual vision. You, it's an interesting balance. You hold to your, to your vision, but at the same time, you yield to the vision of someone else. And, and I'm not a dancer. I, I'm an odd person out here. But I would imagine, not yet, right? Oh, please, don't, don't get your hopes up. But uh, the, the sense that um, I would imagine it's similar to dancing. In, in this regard, that you move through space and you, you are active and yet you're yielding simultaneously. You have to move through air, air particles, you have to move through space, and yet you present yourself in a, in a dynamic fashion. So that is, that's been one of the great things about this collaboration. You have to find the right collaborators, I think, to have that level of trust, and, and Elizabeth and I and the, the dance company certainly have established that. But should I back up, tell them a little bit about the, okay. So uh, Ann Brake is here, Ann, I wave to everybody. She's the shaman, she's the one who, who decided that, that this was, would be a good fit. I visited a, a French class that Ann was taking uh, and I, I gave a, a guest lecture and she had this idea that it would be interesting for me to read a poem and we would do uh, some sort of collaboration with the company. Well. It evolved into this uh, beautiful production where I'm working on a series of poems about hound dogs. I love dogs, but I particularly love hound dogs. And I've been working on these poems for four years. Um, I, just, I, I just dig hound dogs. I mean, they, 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 are, they know how to, how to go, get up and go whenever you want to go do that, but they also know how to be couch potatoes. And uh, Mandy can even tell you, we have a little hound dog, Bootsy. She's adorable. And, uh, and so it, this, these are not cheesy poems. I don't want you to sit there and think, oh, he's just writing about dogs. They've really <laughs> developed into to poems about culture, poems about art, 
But, but using as a locus the, uh, the hound dog uh, as a jumping off point. So we've been involved in this incredible collaboration. Uh, Elizabeth has done this amazing choreography to a group of, what's it, about nine or 10, 11 poems? I, I've lost count, give or take. <laughs> and it's, it's really amazing. And, and one of the things that, that we've discussed with, with the dancers, and Zach and Kinsey and, and Anne are here, three, three members from the troupe, so they can verify this as well is the sense that the poems I feel are no longer mine. Uh, I'll come in, they'll, they'll have rehearsed on Monday and Wednesday and I'll stop in on a Friday, for example, and they'll, they'll speak back my poem to me <laughs> in these incredible ways. We, we have a recording of me uh, reading these poems. It's gonna be live when we perform. But they speak these poems back to me and it changes my relationship to the work. And, I, and that's my point. I think we need to, in collaboration, be open to the, the fact that uh, we're giving something over. We're giving our art over and it's coming back to us in different ways. And so I'm feeling that these are, are our poems now that, that we've been working through. So that's a little bit I wanted to say about it, but I, I'm sure you might want to add. I, I'm sure, and I might. How, how's that for hedging? I, I'm sure you might want to add something else. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I could say something, and I think you were touching on this already, that you know, part of the cool thing about collaboration is not just the collaboration between the people. Um, of course, that's great. Uh, I've really enjoyed collaborating with George, and I always enjoy collaborating um, with the dancers. Um, but I think that it's really cool to see the art collaborate. Um, and I, I think that's another thing, you know, even if you have a complete piece of music or complete book of poetry and you add dance to it, the, the final result is something totally different. And in a way, um, even if the creators never spoke, that art is going to commingle and cross-pollinate and create something different and most of the time really cool. Yeah. We discussed briefly that in order to have a true collaboration, there's a little bit of a letting go of your original vision. And so I would like to ask you guys about the downside of collaboration, that letting go process and the challenges that arise. And then um, if you want to present some of the challenges that arise, if you could also maybe give our audience a little bit of feedback of how to navigate through some of those challenges successfully without making a bad relationship. Um, I think that um, for me personally, I, I don't normally have too much of a problem of letting go. Um, I think that I usually pre-screen my collaborators in a certain way. Um, where I either know about them through somebody that I trust or I've seen their work and I know that our work will commingle nicely. Um, but I do think that sometimes, like, I, I would say like from my personal experience, one of the biggest frustrations is when someone, someone else is not willing to try something or, um, you know, we all have different personalities. You know, sometimes there's just certain people that you don't connect with in the same way that you would connect with someone that is a strong connection, that is. Um, so I think that, you know, just being able to be sensitive is probably the, mo the strongest thing that I think that you need to consider in a collaboration is being sensitive to the people that you're working with. 
um, being willing yourself to maybe let go more than what you thought you should let go in the first place. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's just, you know, someone, there's always gotta be someone who is willing to let go maybe more than 50%, if that makes sense. Yeah, would anybody like to add on to that? Of course I would. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, as, as the director of a ballet company, again, remember ballet was originally intended to describe dance, just dance. So when you go to France and they talk about ballet, they don't mean classical ballet, they mean a dance. So we're fighting a preconceived notion of what ballet really is. So when I'm staging an older work, it is my obligation and responsibility to stage it as it was intended. So letting go is something I really have a hard time with when I'm setting something that's original and not mine. You know, it's been that way since 1896, although the technique has changed, some of the expectation of it has changed, but I have to hold to what that is. The challenge for us there is generally the tempi with the orchestra. <laughs> Sometimes it's not written as we would want to dance it, and especially as technique has evolved, there is a different expectation from the musician's perspective and our perspective. Uh, so it's a lot of, well, I understand, but if you would just watch, you'll see that when they start to fall over, maybe you could just slow it down a little bit. So that's, that's that particular collaboration. If it's my own work, I am wide open. I don't choreograph very much. It's not, it's not my gift. It requires a lot of time and self uh, introspection, and I often don't have that opportunity in my world. I have five kids, I have 13 foster dogs, we should talk, uh, I run the ballet company, so it do, it's not what I do. But what I do enjoy doing is offering the opportunity to my dancers, and I find that is some of the most exciting collaboration or collaborative work that I see. So to let them take control of their own work, and they take control of all of it, what should that, sorry Miriam, what should the lighting be? You need to talk to Miriam. What should the costumes look like? You need to talk to our costumer. It would require clothing. You, they need, if the clothing or lack of clothing is distracting from your intention of the choreography, it's not correct for the piece. So that's a part of what we talk about. What kind of music do you know? You can't cut the music off in the middle of the phrase. We have to find, so there's a lot of sort of guiding and some of it is you don't, your ear generally doesn't want to hear the cutoff in the middle of a phrase, but letting them take control of their work and their piece and what they intend to say because they have something, other to, other, something else to say other than here we are doing Nutcracker. So it's important that they have that opportunity to do it and letting go of that is really not a problem. Only, the only problem I have is when um, I know under the lights it's not going to look like in their head they've talked about. So that's when we, I'll talk to Miriam and say, so when you speak with them, would you mind guiding them just a little bit here? And, and that's really a joy that I have in my job. That's a really good point, is that as a dancer and someone who tends to speak with my body, I will decide that I have an idea in my head and I don't really necessarily know the technical elements behind it to make it happen. So then, as a dancer, I will go up to my lighting director or my videographer and ask them to assist, and it's hard to communicate that with words, because it's in my head or it's in my body, but it's not in my mouth. And so, <laughs> yes, we're doing a lot of hand gestures up here. 
That's what it looks like. And so I would like to ask um, Alex and Miriam to both speak on that um, from the technical side of how maybe working with a dancer actually is. Be, be nice, be nice. Well, um, I actually really enjoy being the primary lighting designer for the ballet for a number of reasons. Not only that I get to light the traditional ballets, um, but that Karen allows the dancers to create their own works and I get to work with each of them individually to create something new. Um, and I think um, we've built a, a relationship, the dancers and I, to a point where they realize that I, I'm a professional at what I do and so they can at least trust the fact that I'm a professional in that and so if I have a professional opinion about something that it might be valuable and useful to take into account for whatever particular reason um, and um, and and you know and this is gonna sound kind of funny but one of the most common things that a lighting designer hears from a dancer is I want a center special <laughs> hands down like the top thing we always hear. And then when we put a spe center special up, well, I can't see it because I don't have a sharp circle on the floor. And so I have to gently guide people. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> so I have to, sometimes I have to gently guide people because as a lighting designer, are we lighting the floor or are we lighting the dancer? Are we lighting the set or are we lighting the actor? You know, those kinds of things are all part of the story. And, um, and, and while there are moments at which you really do want to see the light on the floor because it's creating an invisible room around whatever character, a lot of times you don't really want that. And so my job as a technical um, person is to draw that out of, out of the choreographer or the actor, whoever, that um, director usually will say, give me hints. Well, you know, I really want it to be I want it to feel really isolated, or I want to open and close with the same look. And then I start to realize, okay, it's not a center special that they're going after. They're looking for a bookend um, kind of piece, or they're looking for whatever it is, and then we find a way to adjust it. So while you still maybe get that feeling of isolation, maybe there's not that hard-edged circle on the stage, or maybe there's that, not that hard-edged path of light. Sometimes you do want that but sometimes you don't. Um, another, one, I, I always love working with the people that um, Karen presents me with. You know, I've gotten to work with Jane Lanier. She did a piece called Home a few years ago. Um, and, and luckily, Jane trusted my technical expertise enough to let me try things that were really kind of wacky um, because she got to, she, she had, a, had a piece that had several phrases in it. It was her as growing up as a dancer, basically. So there was a, you know, a young dancer and then there was a teenage dan dancer with all the angst and then there was a more mature dancer in the piece and, and she really wanted the teenage section to really feel in a way... Um, uh, angsty, she wanted you to understand that there was um, torn emotions going on. Um, the costume the dancer was wearing was like a hot pink tutu ensemble that was pretty wacky, but the other two dancers on stage were like um, clad all in black. You could almost hardly see them at all. And, and, and without anything else on stage, because there was no backdrop, there's no set, you know, how do we tell the you know teenage torment that this particular character was going through at that moment in her life and so i said to her 
well, how do you feel about mini blind light? <laughs> and so this, and, and, and she was like, I'm not sure. And so I explained to her this concept that I had um, that I hadn't seen tried anywhere locally yet. Um, and I, so I put a, what we call a gobo, which is basically texture projection out of a light fixture um, in all of the side lights. And, and so it, was, it is mi basically a mini blind cut like that. And we just cut it across stage like this and we put haze up. So that was really, I mean, there was no real face light in this piece. There was no top light. There was no, you know, it was just her being lit by these skinny little shafts of light. Um, and it worked. But she trusted me enough to, like, allow that to happen. Um, David Ingram is another great example. Even the piece you'll get to see um, this evening, Bolero, well, it's because we had to adapt some of the lighting based on the plot that the venue has, it's pretty close. Um, interestingly enough, when um, Tracy and I were working on that piece, the other pieces in that particular um, program were all very textured and very um, full, I guess, feeling in a way. Um, and so we not only thought about her piece in the context of what she was trying to say, but we also thought it of it in the context of the other pieces in the program and so we took it in a very different direction so opposed to things that have lots of um, lighting texture on the stage and very um, you know fluffy costumes I guess we took it as clean as we possibly could so all of the light is as pure as possible very intentionally um, to give it a breath in the, con in, in the conversation of the show um, because I feel if you're always putting out something loud, every single scene is loud, the audience will get tired, and so I think you need to have loud and then quiet and that sort of thing. So, um, but I, as a technical person, I just kind of ask enough questions and, and hope that the director or the choreography will trust me enough <laughs> to let me guide them into something that really will make their work shine, whatever that is. Yeah, uh, everyone here at the panel obviously operates with years more experience than I have, so within that, they're all professionals within their industry. Um, everything that I've been fortunate enough to do with dance is very free form, so it starts with a general outline. Um, here's some beats that I want to hit, here's a general style of what I'm looking for. Um, I guess as most of the projects that I've worked on, I've been operating as, I guess, the director and in a sense the creative director. It's so not necessarily the choreographer because I'm not a dancer. I know a few dance terms off the top of my head. I've been looking up a list. Trust me, it's not great. Um, plie is one of them, in fact. That's the one, yeah. Uh, so, um, for example, I'll use our video. Um, we started out with a song. We used this very room. Um, I had a top light shining straight down onto her. Um, she showed me a beginning choreographed part of the song, and she showed me a beat at the end. Um, I had her run through it a few different times so I can see it myself through a few different angles, seeing what, when I'm capturing that, what's going to be the best way that gives the most context of the movement. Um, and not necessarily a dispute that you and I had, but just one for my better understanding is when I'm very close up to you, you don't really get the full movement, you don't see all the groundwork and the legwork that you're doing. Um, so the context of the movements that you're trying to show aren't there because as an audience member when you're watching that you don't see that you see movement but it kind of just looks like flailing there's no context you don't understand what's happening uh, so cutting to a wider shot for example something that you can see her whole body is is important so that's both a learning experience for me but also just 
understanding that like the the division that I have like though it looks cool being up close it's the the background is more blurred out like it looks artistically nicer it doesn't necessarily allude to the same story you're trying to tell even if that story is very adverse or oblique there isn't much there but um, it's definitely listening to whomever the director is and listening to the vision and I guess trusting each other that where you're headed in the end is the right direction and not just making a decision even if you don't stand by what you're trying to do. I'm rambling a lot, so I'm going to hand the microphone back, but yeah. Could I uh, chime in here? Of uh, course. We've been talking about yielding and um, giving ourselves over to the collaboration, but you know it's a reciprocal process, so one of the, the interesting things that I've had to learn also is to um, present myself or assert my ideas uh, once we've I've seen a piece performed that you've, you've chore Elizabeth's choreographed and been danced to. And one example is we, we're looking at this one piece. It was absolutely beautiful, but um, and I well let me back up one second. The other challenge there is. I'm just in awe because I don't move my body that way. And so to see my poems spoken back to me through that fluidity of space is an incredible moment of uh, art for me. So then to have to come up with language right away to speak about it is it has been a challenge. And since I'm an outsider to the dance, um, uh, dance world, I have to try to find the language a bridge to speak that back. So we were doing this one poem, the I Am Born poem. It has a different title, but we call it that. And the, the ending just seemed like it moved too fast to me. And so I had to, I had to speak up about that, and I had to find a language for it. Well, what I, what I had discovered in the process is that since they're working off my recording right now, since I'm, I'm not at each and every rehearsal, is that I also realized I had to slow the ending down myself when I read it in order to get the effect that I wanted on the dance floor. So one of the challenges is being able to speak and then as you speak into and through a different art form for me, um, it also sent me back into reflecting upon the piece that, that we were working on. And that becomes a really interesting project. You know, some people, they think they hear collaboration and they think, well, I'll put this together and, and I'll put that together and we'll just be the dynamic duo, right? And uh, it, it'll be multiplied by two. But they're not willing to have those, uh, their own sense of, uh, of the art change. And so what I'm also saying is we're also, I've also had to learn to say, okay, I know I'm not an expert in dance, but I do have an opinion about it, right? And so that's, that's coming at it from the other angle as well. That's very interesting. Something else that I'd like to touch on is the necessity for collaboration. Um, we have one panelist up here, Alex, and we were discussing the other day how some of his work has to be a collaborative effort because what would he film? Uh, where do the humans go? Does he set up the camera and then turn the other way? And then we also have another panelist who um, her mission in, within the company is to collaborate with other artists. So I'm wondering if we can ask the panelists um, to give some advice about how to make these 
collaborations happen. Because just as you probably have this desire deep within you to make them happen, we may have some audience members who also want to do something but don't know how. And how do we start that? I don't need it, I can shout, but. Um, in my experience, it's, again, it, not a working industry professional like everyone to my left and right, but um, it starts with necessitating a goal. You want to find someone to help you with your work. In this case, I want an actress or an actor to be in a video with myself or, or I'm making a film and I need to cast people for it. Um, generally speaking, you want something that's mutually beneficial for both people. Um, it doesn't work one way generally for you. Um, so whether that's being paid, whether that's exposure, wherever you can find a balance for it, this is going to help you in the long run. Um, and, and also just necessitating that contact with them. Um, hey, I have this idea. Um, this is how I intend to get it done. This is the part you would play in this and this is the end result of whatever we end up doing together. Um, and I think if you can both explain that and understand that yourself, you can ultimately work with that person to achieve that final result. But obviously, as film is something that's very difficult to do by yourself, you need a lot of people to help you do it. Um, not necessarily the more people the better, but it generally is a good place to start, so. Who wants it? Okay. I have my own Thank you. <laughs> Um, I think that I would agree um, also with Alex that, you know, I, I think it depends on what role. Um, I'm going to put myself in the role as the artist of the choreographer right now. As the choreographer, if, I'm a, if I have a particular concept that I want to explore, or maybe I already have some dance phrases that are developed, and I know for sure that um, I want this to be, I want this to be a fresh composition uh, musically. I want, I want this to be scored. Um, and then, you know, I would probably call my husband first since he's the music director <laughs> and he writes music. Um, I wouldn't call him, I'd probably talk to him since we live together. Um, <laughs> um, but I might, I might talk to him first about, you know, hey, do you want to score this or do you, he also works at Sweetwater, um, so he has a lot of connections to composers that live all over the country. Um, and we have had some works uh, composed by people in other states. Um, so sometimes that's, that's where it is, you know, where you, you give somebody a call, you say, this is what I'm looking for, or, are you interested? Here's the contractual obligations. Um, and then other, other times, and I, I find for, for me personally that this is more often, where it's just a matter of being open to it. Just a matter of, you know, hey, Anne says, George would like to talk to you. Okay, well, let's talk. Um, so I think a lot of, um, a lot of my, my favorite collaborations happen that way. They happen naturally just through communicating with people, um, through going to uh, artistic events, uh, mingling with other artists, seeing their work, um, getting a feeling for whether or not their work is a match for your work, and reaching out and making that connection. And for me, that, that was very difficult in the beginning. I, I always knew I wanted to be a collaborative artist, um, but I was very, very shy. Still am a little bit, I try to hide it. But um, that whole process of reaching out to people that maybe you haven't really met before was a little scary. And doing that has been really rewarding. So I'm gonna stop being scared. 
We actually have a program um, that we do after our season ends called Fort Wayne Ballet 2, as in also, not a second sort of company. And we collaborate with lots of people in the community. It's not just Fort Wayne Ballet, Fort Wayne Ballet 2, as in we can do this also, but we do unusual things like Swan Lake in the Fountain. You know, that was sort of through the city people off just for a little bit, but it was all, it all worked out. But we also have other dancers and other dance organizations, dancers from other states and around the country come in and join us, but people in our community that want to participate in that. It's not just Fort Wayne Ballet. So when you say reach out, there are a lot of places to reach out. Take your idea to an organization if you feel like that's comfortable and a good fit for you and, and test it. See if that's something that you could get some exposure doing it at a Fort Wayne Ballet 2 sort of thing. I know there are other things in our community that are like that, but that's ours. So I think reaching out, to echo what you said, Elizabeth, is to reach out and, and when, when my dancers do the choreography for our upcoming program, progressions in a couple of weeks, they have to present it with, it's this long, it's this type of music, does it have lyrics, are the lyrics clean? <laughs> well, I got to know that. Um, how many dancers are you going to use? What sort of setup do you need? So think through all of that first before you present it. And you can't think through everything that might happen through the collaborative process, but if you can present a pretty uh, a libretto, so to, say, so to speak, that's really very helpful for somebody to help send you along the way, whatever that way might look like for you. I think that's all very helpful. What important role has collaboration played in our community? So we're talking more specifically about Fort Wayne, but Fort Wayne is a very interesting city in the way that it operates, so this might be able to translate to other locations. Um, I've, I've had some experience uh, organizing the Visiting Writers Series at, at campus where we bring in guest authors to um, to read their work, and one of the things uh, we did many years ago was outreach into the community. We would hold uh, some of the events, for example, at the Fort Wayne Cinema Center, because I wanted to bring some of the events, move them away from campus, and and have invite more people who might think, okay, that's campus. I'm not. I'm not going to to go there, or that's separate. So, you know, there's an element of trying to break down boundaries with that. We held a couple events at Weiser Park Community Center and uh, we were able to, to collaborate with the Three Rivers Djembe Ensemble, which then turned into the Three Rivers Institute of African Art and Culture. And so we did collaborative projects with them as well. And one of the, the I, I can't remember all the collaborative projects that we've done throughout the years in that regard, but one of the great things is that you, you widen your circle because there are pockets of, of audiences in this, in this city. And we really have a thriving arts community in this city. It's, it's amazing how, uh, how vibrant it is. But sometimes we get locked into, well, I'm gonna go to a poetry reading or I'm gonna go to a dance performance or I'm going to go to an art opening and, and we're not really meeting one another across the boundaries of those artistic disciplines. So um, I'd say that th there has been substantial work in the community, including the things that, that I'm hearing from the, the dancers here this evening, but I'm also hearing things that I had never heard. <laughs> I mean, we really do sometimes inhabit these isolated worlds. 
and it, it, it's a real shame. Uh, you know, just and to circle back to Mandy, if I might, your previous question. Uh, the beginning of your previous question was, mm -hmm. you know, uh, about the necessity of collaboration. I think it's necess it, 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 it's necessary in that if we begin to think of of art and our disciplines as part of a larger community, not just uh, I'm an artiste. But, but how, are we, how are we moving out into the world? And how does that affect us as, as a poet or a dancer or a visual artist? Those things strike me as extraordinarily important to contemplate, meditate upon prior to embarking in collaboration. What are my motivations? You know, there's a, a great poet, Stanley Kunitz, who once said the poem is always on its way, and I would, I would suggest that this may be similar to other artistic disciplines as well. He said the poem is always on its way to finding an audience, and until it, it does that, it's never complete. Mm -hmm. And so if we can, can widen our concept of what an audience is and try to reach across these um, divergent uh, in some cases, uh, uh, boundaries that really don't exist, I think that, that we're gonna see that collaboration is extraordinarily necessary to feed our culture and, and to even go back and feed our, our individual disciplines. It, it works both ways in terms of, 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 of how that operates. They're not all dance related, but a couple of the coolest ones that I've seen in Fort Wayne, um, and this goes back, this may tell you how long I've been in Fort Wayne, but um, one of my favorites was uh, the Philharmonic did a collaboration, collaborative piece. It was, um, it, it was basically a, a condensed version of Hamlet. And, um, and yeah, that, yes, yeah. <laughs> and um, they did a condensed version of Hamlet and, um, and they wanted to, uh, the orchestra played on stage, but down stage on the four stage area, um, actors did the, the, the pieces that you would know. Um, and it was slightly modified by a local playwright um, so that it was in the condensed time frame that the symphony needed. Um, and so the local playwright made those adaptions. The symphony played various pieces that you would know from Hamlet movies and that sort of thing to back up all of this action. And then the ballet brought in dancers and did, the, did choreography. And, the, and what was really interesting, I think, was that, uh, and I was the lighting designer for it, um, but I think what was really interesting was that the dancers were essentially the soul of the various actor characters on stage. So each actor had a separate individual who was their dancing soul, which was kind of interesting. Um, and to have that kind of action in and around the orchestra um, was really interesting. So everybody had to, everybody had to work together to make the piece um, work. And being that we were doing it as a symphony concert without set, imagine doing, I mean, you do Shakespeare without a set, what do you do? You do, you do lighting, you know? And so, um, so, you know, that when we got to Ophelia's death, <laughs> here's Ophelia downstage center, how does she drown? <laughs> She's in front of the orchestra. You know, what do you do with that? And so, um, so I lit her in a sea of flowers when we started. 
And as, that, as the dialogue progressed as she was walking into the water, she was standing at center with all, flowers all covering the whole pit, and the lighting slowly washed the flowers out from color to just flat blue. So you knew that she was gone, but you didn't really, you couldn't really feel it, you know. So that was, so that was one of those things where you see multiple um, disciplines and genres together. Um, the youth theater does a Young Heroes of Consciousness series, um, which was um, a collaboration between their, their programming and a local playwright who writes um, about youth in history who impacted history, Ryan White, Ruby Bridges, that sort of thing. Um, and um, to be able to tell those stories without whitewashing them um, was challenging for everybody in the room. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they, in some cases, they, like, they inserted the audience characters, the children under, you know, the age of 18, into the audience to become the jeering crowd in Kokomo, you know, to bring the audience in them. And the audience was on four sides, you know, how do you, you know, and, and, and then we get to the moment, like in Ryan White, when Ryan passes away in the hospital room, except that the audience is on four sides and he needs to die in the hospital bed. And you need to know as an audience member that he's passed on, what do you do? Without a set, you only have a hospital bed. So, um, so I posed to the director the idea of, okay, well, I use this, this, I wouldn't call it a trick, but I used this type of cue once before. So how about if when he says his last line, he takes a very large breath, and you watch his shoulders rise, and as his shoulders rise, the single pool of light that he's in gets brighter. And as he exhales, it dims, and then it goes all the way out. And you know right then. And everybody was, like, in tears. I mean, it was, that's the kind of thing that you can do. <laughs> You know, um, with just talking to people about, you know, what it is that you're trying to convey, working with various artists, depending on whatever their genre is. But those were two of my favorite examples. Um, and I did mention David Ingram just a little bit earlier, and he's coming back to do ballet two and progressions. Um, and um, and every time David and I get to work on a piece together, he's. <laughs> He's a lot of fun. His brain is like Geiger. <laughs> um, and and his, his ideas are so out of the box. And, and so he challenges me to figure out how to make it, whatever it is, happen. And sometimes I'll push back on him. And so that is very much that give and take, you know, I think it should look like this and he thinks it should look like that and together we've managed to have light bars flying up and down on stage over dancers' heads and we've put like long swinging light bulbs flying around over dancers that are like three foot off the floor and um, <laughs> and we hung a giant trash bag monster on stage once. Um, so there are, <laughs> so if you just, if you're open to experimentation um, and trusting each other, I think that's that's a big thing. But those are my those are my fun stories. It's magic. It's magic. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> sure. to, to circle back to your question about the need for collaboration, I think I think it's critical not just to feed our own souls and to continue to grow as artists, but to grow the community. If you stay in a silo and you don't break down those barriers, then what are we doing here? Where is the humanity in that? So collaboration really is community, and the broader we can have our community, the more exciting it can become. Thank you. 
And um, not only have we given you guys a little bit of insight on how to make a collaboration happen, but we've also given you a couple collaborations to look forward to in the next couple months. So um, please go witness those. Be a supporter of the arts in your community if you are local. I know some of you are not. So some of you who are not local, go home. Do things. Create. Make. Be a footprint. And... Um, I would also like to open the floor. I think we have time for one or two questions, but not a ton if anybody has any. Anne, we will pass you the mic, but you also may have to come to me. We are recording, so get a little close maybe. Uh, <laughs> I guess dancers, we're used to being close. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned at the beginning how some collaborations, there can be bumps and things. So I wanna ask all of you, after you've done a collaboration, and whether it, was, whether it was your favorite collaboration or one that was really difficult to make work, how do you show gratitude and appreciation for that other person or group coming into your, your art and sharing and expanding with you? Even if we can't always necessarily pay a collaborator, how do you make people feel appreciated? That's a tough one. Anybody wanna take that? Yeah. You know, um, for, for, for me, if um, whatever it is that I'm doing, um, I, I try to talk about the people that are involved in it. Um, I, uh, you know, you always do the usual things, like you send thank you cards and all of that sort of thing. But really, um, you know, putting the word of mouth out there, posting about whatever their next activity is on social media or whatever, you know, um, is all part of supporting. I always, I try to live by the, you know, I, I, I want. I will always do what I would want everyone else to do for me um, kind of rule and, and I feel that it's really, really important to support and promote other artists whether or not you always understand their perspective or agree with them. I'm a big believer in DeBrand's chocolate as a start. <laughs> However, in addition to that, I think there are those personalities who feel that just the process of collaboration was a thank you enough, and then you have the other artists who feel like there's never, ever enough thank you, how dare you. And so you have to sort of walk the line on that one, but all you can do is hold true to yourself, whatever that's going to be, and where you can feel good about that you've given gratitude where it, where it is deserved. Maybe this is slightly off the topic, but I think something to be careful of um, from my own experience is making sure that when you start a collaboration, it's very clear uh, what the end result is. Um, and by that, I mean what is the compensation going to be? What is the lack thereof compensation going to be? Um, is there some kind of a reciprocal thing going on here? I think that, that that tends to work really well if there's not money involved, where it's like, oh, you come be in my show, and then when you do your show, we'll come do something for your show. Um, so I think that just being clear about that is really important. And then, of course, you know, social media is beautiful for, uh, like I think everybody has said so far, that, you know, to make sure that you're promoting your fellow artists. Um, I like wine. But maybe the wine and the chocolate, we should get together. <laughs> um, Dogs, yeah. wine, and chocolate. Wine and chocolate. That's great. And cheese. I, I think the most basic thing is people want to know that they've been seen and that they've been heard, basically. And they, they want to hear their names spoken, too. And, and whether you're, you're doing that publicly or privately, it's like, 
I mean, shouldn't this be how we live our lives anyway? How, how do we honor? You know, I think about that word honor. How do we honor the other? So I think, you know, in any collaboration, we have to keep that in mind. We can only do our best, you know. Miriam's talking about basically the golden rule, right? Which is a beautiful rule through which to live. But it's like, how do, how do we honor that other person? And so again, it's the spirit of collaboration where it's not about, you know, this isn't, you know, George Harrison wrote, you know, I, me, mine, right? All through the day, I, me, mine, I, me, mine, I, me, mine, the great Beatles song. It's not about that. It's about something bigger. Um, so I, I would just say, you know, in terms of how we live our lives, how are we always going to honor the other? How are we going to see the other? How are we going to hear them? Yes, thank you. Well, that concludes our panel discussion for today. So let's give one uh, round of applause to George, Elizabeth, Alex, Miriam, and Karen, and Alec for setting all of this up.